This, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm your host, Tyler Kern, joined as always by the man himself. No work going on at the house today. It's Mr. Greg Crumpton. Greg, it's another episode, man, and it's good to talk to you. Well, it's Tuesday. It's a good good day for a podcast, you know. Yeah. And, and you know, we do these things on, on uh, 11 o'clock Eastern time, so it's always fun to get up, have a little morning time, a little prep time, think about what we're going to do today. Yep. Um, and it was really nice today because um, we do not have any work going on. So I'm like relishing in, in that quiet zone. Um, but we have a, a, a lady joining us today that I'm, I'm uh, really excited to get to talk to and hear about what she's doing and sharing her word a little bit. So um, you want to do the intro or you want me to kick it? I will do the intro. Her name is Shelly Walker. She's the CEO of the Women's Trucking Federation of Canada. Welcoming another Canadian on the show. Shelly, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on the show and good morning. Well, Shelly, uh, you are like the, the uh, I don't know, the 12th Canadian that we've had on the show. Um, so we have a really strong uh, Canadian uh, pull. So I'm going with that. And but we appreciate you taking time today. Um, how in the world did a lady who runs a trucking association and an air conditioning guy wind up on a podcast with a guy in Dallas, Texas? I mean, how does that happen? I don't know how that happens. Well, why don't you tell us about our common connection and how we how we kind of kicked off our uh, podcast friendship? Well, our common uh, connection is Jamie McMillan from Kick-Ass Careers. Uh, Jamie and I uh, met by chance, uh, have become good friends by choice, and I love what she does. She is really making a difference in uh, some some folks and especially young folks' lives as to what they're getting involved with career-wise, uh, blue-collar-wise, hands, dirty hands, clean money. Uh, all that good stuff. And I uh, appreciate Jamie taking time to connect us. Um, what what you're doing, I find, and, and as I've been reading about it and, and watching what you do and, and how you interact online, I'm fascinated at the, the, the purpose of why you started the group, if you started the group and how you lead it. Tell us a little bit about the, your, your association. Well, currently our association is 700 members strong and we have over 55 corporate members and we continue to grow every day. I think the the big part about us is that we believe in working together. Um, Our slogan is in the office, under the hood or behind the wheel. We're all pieces of the puzzle. And I am a firm believer that in order for our industry to continue to grow and to attract young people into our industry, we need to fix all the problems that we have internally. Um, it's time for change. Um, our industry has been stuck back in the 60s forever, um, and we really need to move into the new world. Well, I had a podcast conversation earlier this week um, for one of our clients here at Market Scale, um, and it, it, it was surrounding Pride Month. And so I talked to the founder of LGBT Truckers here in the U- United States, and it was a really fascinating conversation just around the state of the industry and um, specifically around trucking and, and the, um, 
uh, I, I guess the, the the current way that the industry is or isn't welcoming to people that aren't from the traditional kind of white male background that you think of when you think of trucking. And so I'm curious just to, to get your lay of the land from the industry on what it's like for, for women and for minorities and, and for people from the LGBT community and, and things along those lines. Where are things right now and where can the industry still improve? Unfortunately, our industry is still very much male dominated, especially at uh, upper level C-suite management. Um, and unfortunately, it's still a very uh, racist uh, industry. Um, and we need to change that. Um, I'm a firm supporter of minorities of the LGBTQ plus community. In fact, we have uh, quite a few from those demographics that are members. Um, as always, I, I love their feedback and um, a different way of looking at something uh, moving forward. Um, but change has been slow. Um, you know, there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of conferences. There's a lot of meetings about diversity, equity, and inclusion. But you can speak that all you want. If you are not actually doing it, talk is cheap, right? And what I'm finding is uh, drivers or even people interested in the industry, they're doing a lot of background checking. They're thoroughly researching not just a company they go to work to, but an industry they're about to go into. So we need to get with the program. It's time for change. Change was needed a long time ago. And we need to start actually practicing what we preach. It's, it seems like that would also be beneficial for the industry as a whole, right? Because you hear all the time and see stories about, oh, there's a shortage of truckers and there's a shortage of people that, that want to do this and, and that sort of thing. And whether or not that's true is, is one thing. But on the other hand, if you are looking for people to, to join your industry and to join this workforce, then it, it seems it seems counterintuitive to then discriminate against and and reject people from certain communities right that 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 want to work in your industry and and could be you know amazing employees that's exactly right i mean i think some of the problem is is that there's not enough exit surveys being done when people are leaving this industry um i can tell you since the beginning of the year until now i know 50 people with less than six months into this industry that have quit it and totally walked away. Why is that happening? It's all about retention, right? Uh, we need to start learning how to retain drivers better. Um, I'm not all in on the driver shortage. I'm gonna tell you that I'll be right up about it um, because I know a lot of drivers that have left this industry for one reason or another, most of them are very unhappy. And the thing is, is you get a, my dad was a truck driver and he was very proud of the fact that he was a truck driver. But today, when you talk to most drivers, um, they don't want to tell you that that's what they do. They are discouraging their children and their family from joining this industry. That says we have a problem, right? So let's fix that. If we can't keep the current employees happy in this industry, how do we bring in the future generation? I saw a post you put up yesterday uh, around that topic of basically you got to take care of what you got before you worry about recruiting. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing extremely because my memory is not that good, but that was the topic. Um, and trucking, like my world, the air conditioning, mechanical piping world, um, we have a lot of 
seasoned professionals my age that have encouraged their kids not to do it as well, along with the onslaught of career uh, counselors and what have you, you know, driving them toward four-year colleges. But as of late, and, and maybe this is just my hyper uh, never give up attitude. Uh, there's a word for that, but I can't remember what it is at the moment. Resiliency, maybe. Um, and thinking and, and being optimistic that we are turning that curve. Uh, I don't know that yet, but it, it seems like there's good energy around our industry. Uh, and I haven't anywhere close began to study trucking other than what Tyler described of what he hears, you know, looking at a hundred ships anchored off the Long Beach coast. And you ask why, and they say, well, we can't get drivers to come into the port uh, or we can't get enough longshoremen to offload the boats. There, there's a million, you know, stories. And then somewhere in there's the truth. And, and you probably are closer to the truth than we are uh, with, with what you are saying about why people are leaving. But to your point about retention, um, what... So I'll ask you a question, Shelley. What What is the average age of a truck driver right now? Do you know that? Is that published anywhere? 55. So uh, that number is not going down, I'm assuming? No, no, it's not going down. Once upon a time, I believe it was around 49. Uh, now it's 55. Um, you have to remember, when you're talking about the longshore uh, issues, um, there's a lot of trucks sitting there waiting to be loaded or unloaded. Um, it's a lot more than what the mainstream media is letting people to believe is the actual issue. You know, I I really hate the fact because to me, it, it, it's fear factor. Um, how much can we scare the general public to get them up in arms over an issue that isn't actually really there? Well, that's called uh, the Canadian and the U.S. government's job. They do that for us. That, that's right, right? We we don't need any extra help in those areas. But no, we have we have that. And you have to understand, like, with the driving, the, the being out for extended days or weeks at a time, um, people don't want to do that anymore. Right? Um, now, unfortunately, up here in Canada, we don't have a lot of drivers that are out two, three, and four months at a time. Uh, that's something we seem to see down in the U.S. a lot more often than up here. Um but health and wellness are a really big factor right now. Diabetes, problems with kidneys, um, blood clots in the legs. These are all severe issues in the trucking industry for drivers. And, and Shelley, is that from the sedentary nature of the job? That's what it is. You figure most companies want you to get in that truck and drive and, and do your full 11 hour day or your 13 hour day of driving. Um, but don't really often give you enough time to stop to use a washroom sometimes, let alone anything else. Um, so drivers are not getting out of their trucks and walking around enough, uh, drinking enough water, eating properly, getting exercise. And, you know, there's always been a mental health aspect to the trucking industry. Um, COVID made that even worse. Um, we've had drivers that have committed suicide um, right in their trucks. Right. Thousands of miles from home. 
we need to have a better look at what we're doing. You know, the, talking about the, the overall mental awareness and wellness, for lack of a, a better way to put it, um, that is, and we talked about it on this show more than one time, a generational thing that's changing because your younger uh, employees or your younger contractors have a different perspective than your dad had or than I had in my working career. Uh, oh, wait, I'm still working in my previous working career. Uh, because, you know, back then it was you did what you were told. You didn't really cause any hoopla about it. You just got in the dang truck and drove or you got up on the roof and worked all day in my case or whatever. But you don't that's not true any longer. And it's probably good that it's not true any longer because of, of everything you just said, the healthcare cost of a retiring or retirement age truck driver is probably much more expensive than a 15 minute break every hour and a half, you know, to be able to take care of the guy or lady driving. Um, so I, I, that makes sense to me. It really does. Um, but I want to flash back a little bit um, to the beginning of our, of our chat. Why did you start this? What, what is the purpose of the group and how, what, what was your motivating factor? There wasn't enough support or network working for women in this industry. And I found that to be, it didn't matter where I went. Um, this was an original idea by a girlfriend of mine. Um, and, and I continued forward with this organization. I started it and, and I built it on the networking. And I like to think outside of the box. So I don't just network with women within the trucking sector. I know here we are. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, I think that women as a whole, regardless of what industry they in are, can be very supportive to each other. So you might meet a group of women from, say, STEM that are having an issue similar to what we're facing in trucking, and they found a solution, right? And we can take that solution and adopt it to our industry, right? So I think it's sharing and supporting each other on a whole um, that'll make women more recognized uh, regardless of the industry we're in, right? Um, we often find that, you know, there'll be a job posting for instance, and a guy may have 50% of the qualifications and he'll apply and he'll be all excited figuring he's gonna get a job. A woman won't apply till she has 90 to 100% of the qualifications listed, right? They're too, I guess, scared or to take that leap of faith um, and just believe in themselves a little bit more. You know, I always uh, say, you know, I said to my, my nieces and nephews and, you know, I believe in you even when you don't believe in yourself. Well, we all need that for sure. Um, and, and to your point, I think Jamie uh, McMillan, as we were speaking to earlier, speaking about earlier, and the kick-ass career uh, ambassadors have done a great job of showcasing you know, what can be done in these small peer groups, whether it be iron workers or electricians or, you know, different verticals within uh, leather glove wearing trades is what I like to refer to them as lately, because they're not um, 
easily defined, you know, when you sit here and, and, and I happen to look out a window and I see a busy street and I think about everything that happens, um, whether it's a truck over here, uh, the Ace Hardware unloading and all that stuff that's on that truck. I just always come back to people are involved and robots and, and uh, AI are not going to take over being able to do and in your world, LTL trucking or, or whatever, uh, last mile, because somebody's got to be involved in that, you know? Um, so I, I just, I, I love the fact that we're never going to replace all the people with robots. A, I like that because I'd rather talk to you than a robot, but it is also, um, I think in our nature to want to be, and interact with people uh, to a degree more more for like Tyler he's a people person I'm not so but even when I want to be reclusive when I go to Subway and order a sandwich I don't like to use the stupid kiosk I want to tell the you know person working behind the counter how many jalapeno peppers I want and I think that that's always going to be true and we talk about soft skills and versus driving skills or, or welding skills or whatever. And all, that's where all that comes to uh, a common place is whether you're driving, welding, plumbing, electrician, whatever, you still have to have that human element, which is what uh, a lot of people are missing, A, um, especially um, our, our folks that, have grown up to a degree with their face buried on a phone or an iPad um, and lacking that eye contact when you're talking and all those little things. So I make that long drawn out point to say, do you see that in, in the younger generation of incoming truckers as well? Is there a need to like have one-on-one -on -one conversations with them and say, look, you, you got to look at people when you're talking about, anything a uh, but especially during your work you know you got to be able to deliver the message and and look at tyler right in the eyes you know when i'm talking to him do you see that yeah it that's a really important thing you know because a lot of customers in our industry the only person they deal with is the driver right uh, all the office staff the companies they never see them it's usually over email the, the odd occasional phone call. So the driver is actually not just the driver of the truck, but always also the salesperson for the company, right? So that's something I always like to stress, you know, between uh, being professionally looking, you know, clean clothes, appropriate clothing, all those things are important for a truck driver, right? And I think, you know, going back to your comments about AI and automation, it's a long way off, you know. We we don't have good enough in infrastructure in the U.S. or Canada um, to fully to see that. I doubt I'll see that in my lifetime. Fully automated trucks or cars going up and down the roads without people in them. I, we're never going to see that. Um, so I think you know, and and that's kind of like a scare thing. You know, you hear companies, well, things will be automated soon. We we won't need a driver anymore. They're always going to need to be a driver behind the wheel of the truck. Right. Um, so we're not going to do away with that. The role of the driver may change, you know, 20, 30 years from now as things are more automated. Um, 
but right now, no. Um, and, and you have to keep in mind, you know, a lot of older drivers will, will tell you, you know, we, we hear a lot about distractive driving, right? Um, and how it kills people and accidents. And there is more distractions inside my truck now than there was 20 years ago. Okay. Every new automated thing, uh, lane departure devices, all this kind of things, uh, between the, the e-logs and satellites and things like that, it's more of a distraction. Yeah, I, I get that. Um, our, our side of the house, the mechanical side, we have, you know, similar, similar things. We drive a lot. Our technicians, you know, some of them in, in relative terms, a lot, not in your terms. We drive 30,000 miles a year. That's a, that technician's busy. He's on the road a lot in our terms. Um, but to your point, we've got, you know, the office checking in, we've got alerts coming in from customer sites of temperature, pressure alarms. I mean, you got a lot of stuff hitting, uh, the, a lot of our technicians carry two phones, one for the company, one personal cell. Um, I'm, I'm learning why I didn't know why, but I've found out why recently they do that, um, instead of porting the numbers back and forth to the phones, but it's a text thing. I didn't know that, but um, so there, I, I think we as a, as a population have extra stuff buying for your attention continuously, let alone driving an 80,000 pound truck, you know, full of beef or full of feathers, whatever it is. Um, it's just a bigger weapon. It is. And um, I live in the province of Ontario um, and they put in the right to disconnect law. So that means as an employee, you cannot expect me to answer my phone at 7 a.m. or at 6 p.m. or on a weekend. When I'm out of the office, I'm out of the office. Right. So I don't have to answer a call. I don't have to answer an email. Um, and. and you have to sit and think back. It's pretty bad when government has to legislate things like that, right? It, it should be a given, you know, you leave the office at four o'clock on Friday. You shouldn't have to be responsible for answering phone calls and emails. Like everybody has a right to a personal life. And if anything, I think, you know, COVID really taught us something. Um, I know we were a lot more stricter up here with the uh, lockdowns and things than you were in the U.S. But, you know, going months without being able to see your own family um, or have any kind of meetings or go to work, I think really showed us that this new technology that we all have, we were missing out on a lot of things, right? And I think that's where we really learned that that human interaction is something that we all require, even though back then we didn't think so. I'm mixed on the not responding to email after hours. I think it has to be the the person's choice. Me, it doesn't bother me because I it, it just doesn't bother me because I don't have any little kids. I don't have all these other things that a lot of people do. Now, I say that if I send Tyler a note on Saturday, I don't expect to re reply. I'm not I'm not encouraging communication. But if he chooses to, great. I don't, you know, I, I just think it should be a choice. And I fully respect, and, and I used to deny. Um, I used to have more of a domineering, 
mindset as a business owner when I was much younger and much more immature uh, mentally to be able to say, no, the guy or, or ladies at the ball game with a kid, I shouldn't be expecting anything. You know, they're on their own time. Now, as I'm older, I think I like the choice. You know, um, if my boss sends me a note on the weekend, um, it doesn't bother me, but I also know that I don't have to respond to it. I guess is what I'm saying. And, and uh, you know, I, maybe that's an age thing as well. No, I hear what you're saying there. And I, and I think you're right. Like you sending them and knowing that you're not expecting that response. Um, for the driving community, you know, when your dispatcher sends you an email or a text message, you know, within 10 or 15 minutes, if you haven't responded, they send another one and they'll send another one or they'll call you. You know what? I just spent 18 days out on the road and I have three days at home. But right now you're talking. Yeah. So yeah. do I want to be on the phone with my dispatcher constantly? No. <laughs> Send me my dispatch. Yeah. So I know what, where I'm heading to with my next load. But I, when I, when a driver gets home, you know, they are catching up on their bills and stuff that would have come in the mail. They got all their laundry, their grocery shopping to buy to get back in the truck. Oh, and I got to squeeze family time in there sometimes too. Right. Great point. Show it. You're, you're, you're spot on. And, and, you know, I think that also my thinking is also occupationally related because I've always been in a mission critical HVAC at a hospital yeah. where I need to be on guard or on alert versus I did my 13 hours in the saddle. Leave me the hell alone for a little while. Let me get caught up. I get I, I get that. I understand that. Yeah. So I think, you know, in relation, you know, it's, it's a good point that you made, like, depending on what you're doing, you know, can kind of dictate yeah. how that goes going forward. Right. Yeah. Great point. But I think it just goes to show that, you know, we are in the scope of everything. We need to remember that our employees are just not your hard asset, right? They're, they're human beings, right? We talk about that more and more. Um, in fact, yesterday I had a conversation with a, with a gentleman um, he has, he has an employee, uh, and he, the employee wants to make more money and he's really good at what he does. He struggles a little bit on the human side of interacting with folks and what have you. So, um, the, the, the thing is if you, if you want to grow, it's not just about getting that extra acronym behind your name or that extra CEU of credit for learning, but you have to learn how to apply that into real people, you know, and being cognitive and, and EQ uh, 2.0 is a book that, that we as a company actually handed out at a recent meeting for a group of managers who are their service managers. So they're dealing with technical issues a lot. And most of them are technically uh, backgrounded. Is that a word? Yeah, good enough. They come from a technical background. And like a lot of other industries, our, our industry is so stupid. We say, hey, you're really good at fixing HVAC equipment. We're gonna make you a manager. And tomorrow you start being a manager. And we didn't train anybody for that. 
they're really good at repairing air conditioning, but we didn't give them a skill. Uh, so we're kind of, I think, to your point, uh, as an industry, you know, we, we've been slow to adopt uh, and adjust and, and kind of get with real life program. Um, this is one way we're trying to help by allowing our managers time to understand how to communicate with humans um, so that they're understanding, you know, a service technician in parentheses truck driver is not just a tool. It's a human with skills. So I think that I, I get your correlation there. Yeah. And quite often, you know, I tell people that, you know, just because a person doesn't have alphabet soup behind their name doesn't mean they don't have knowledge and value to bring a, an industry or a, any type of business, right? So we have to start looking at the individual person. Um, you notice I said person and not asset. And I think that's, you know, that's really important. And, and mentorship is really important. We have a mentorship group and, and a program that has 360 individuals in it. Your association? Yes, we do. Okay. Um, so, and that's really important. Ongoing and continuing mentorship is important. Um, training is important. Safety training is important. Um, and, and to your point, you know, people often want to advance in their career within their own industry, their own sector. So we need to be able to offer that and offer them the skills to help them. Because, you know, what you were talking about working on HC, so they only see homeowners and stuff. So they do have some kind of people skills, but not on the broader scope that what you're looking for to be a manager, right? Yeah, it's, it's uh, I guess the older I get, the more unwise I realize I am and uh, continuously learning about, about the human side for sure. All right, so you said you had 700 members. You have, and I'm using round numbers and 50 some odd uh, firms that are, are, are uh, sponsors for, for lack of a better word. How do you go about a getting members and how do you go about getting companies to recognize and or promote what you're doing? Uh, for our general members, we attend a lot of industry events. And I'm not just talking the big conferences and conventions that happen. Um, during the course of the summer months, we are out. Uh, we are in the driver population. Um, we attend the truck shows, uh, the truck racing. Um, we talk about what we do um, because we're involved in both provincial and federal governments, uh, bringing drivers and just uh, problems to the table. We're actually a voice now uh, at the table. So that's important. And for our corporate members, I like to work with them, right? Um, some will call and they're just looking for advice. How, how do we change this? Uh, what do you think will work? Um, they like to get involved in our events um, because we host an event. It will be our fifth year this year called Bridging the Barriers. Uh, and part of the reason for that is there's always been a disconnect between drivers and the company um, drivers and, and government as in regulations. And I think there can be a happy medium. Um, so that's something that we, we try to promote, um, about working more together about companies actually bringing the driver's voice to their internal meetings, because sometimes that's your best avenue for knowing where you're going wrong in your company, right? Why are we losing all these drivers all of a sudden? 
Um, why is there a problem with this dispatcher? You know, drivers have a lot that they can offer. And I think it's just bringing their voice to the table that's really important. Do you work for a company or are you an independent driver? Uh, no, I am employed by Sharp Transportation Systems Incorporated. And I am on my 17 and a half years there. Wow. How many miles is that? I see a lot of cool truckers have like million mile or, or you know, 1.5 million miles. I don't know what that is anymore. I can tell you in 2020, I was inducted into the PMTC Hall of Fame for Professional Drivers. Um, so that is my... I won a lot of awards in 2020, but that has got to be the one that I'm most proud of. Um, I'm a driver at heart. Um, I may be out of the truck right now doing stuff for WTFC, um, but you know what they say, you can never fully take us out of the truck. I hear you. I hear you. Well, what is, uh, what's the horizon look like? You're going to keep banging this drum and keep recruiting, keep educating. What's your vision of, uh, ultimate success look like for the group? I don't know if you can actually call it an ultimate success. I would like to see our industry involved more with youth. Youth are our future. Um, you know, too many companies just look at the seat and they need a hot body to fill it. Um, I have been attending career fairs for a few years now. Uh, the one I was at, I had 2,600 high school kids through my truck, right? Uh, and the questions they ask and the knowledge that, that they're seeking, right? So we need to promote this as a viable career option, right? There's yeah. there's no big expense other than attaining truck, going to truck driving school. So you're not going to pay college or university debt for that you obtained over four years for the rest of your life, you know? I had a cousin that went through, he's a high up executive, got married, goes to buy a house. I go, oh, sorry, bud, you need a co-owner because your, your student debt is so high. We won't give you a loan without a co-signer. So, you know, so we need to educate our youth. We need to educate the school system. There is a lot of skill in being a driver. You just don't sit behind the wheel and steer it down the road, right? So I think that that is a big problem. Um, we are a collaborating partner with Skills Ontario Young Women's Initiatives here in the province of Ontario. We are very excited about that. Uh, we recently did an event with them where we had 400 students online that were learning about our industry and what we do. Um, we have a lot of young ladies and some young men um, that are members um, that help us at these events and promote what they do and how they do it. Um, and I think it's important. We need to get back into the school system. You know, I can remember being, I think it was grade one or two and we had show and tell. The show and tell I brought to the school was my dad in his truck. Now, that's cool. I, I remember reading about that event, I think. Um, and that's what it takes, though, Shelly. It, it takes all of us actively recruiting everybody. That that Because you never know. You know, it's the kid at church. It's the kid down the street. It's the lady changing careers, whatever. You never know who you could attract and, and bring to the party. Um, and in fact, this morning, I saw a post, uh, one of our companies in the Atlanta area, uh, they had a, a signing day at a high school where a young man uh, signed on to become an apprentice for one of our one of our companies. So I think it's so important that we're active in the community 
and we're a, we're a company uh, that's mixed of union and non-union companies, and it's the same across the board. Um, they're both looking for qualified people 24-7. So um, I, I get that recruiting. I get the – and I'm kind of like a non-truck driving version of what you're doing, but I don't have an association. Um, maybe, Tyler, I don't know. Maybe we need to kick one, kick, kick off a – some kind of apprenticeship, but it, it's, it, I get what you're doing, Shella. I, I think it's important that the companies alone can do more when it comes to our youth, you know, approach the high school or the public school in your area, you know, um, and have an open house at your company, bring them in, let them see what you do, right? Let them see the work because how do we get them interested if they don't know what you do, if they don't know what the job's about? Um, I don't know about the U.S., but up here in Canada, we have a lot of summer uh, job grants to help employers with the cost of hiring students over the summer. Utilize those grants. Bring in students. Um, we've used them at our own company where they have uh, come in and they work in the warehouse. Um, they wash pads. Um, they can learn how to do just data entry inside of an office. Um so bring them in and, and introduce these young people to our industry um, because that's the only way they're going to feel the passion and the love that we do for our own industry and know that it's a good viable career choice for them. Michelle, I, I'm such a believer in getting out and, and exposing people to what we do. You know, you said a while ago that it's much more than, driving a truck down the road and keeping it between the ditches. For us, it's a lot more than going into a building and getting the air conditioning going. There's all the stuff around it. And I think the more that we work as an industry and bringing partners along, uh, you know, com company partners, as you have 50 some odd, I think that that, is, is so germane to the health of, of your industry and my industry because, you know, nobody really cares as a company until you hit their bottom line. And when they start not being able to produce financial results due to a lack of humans, then you start to get people's attention. With, so my question to you, and I know we're running up on, on time, Tyler, I'm watching it. Um, when, when we're um, out talking, when, when you're out talking to companies about being part of the association, what are you hearing from them? What are, what are they telling you or why they want to support you? Oh, I hear all different things. Um, I'm a black and white person. I don't do gray. So I think that's, that's really important. Like I, I say it how it is. I, I don't sugarcoat our industry. Um, I actively work to find solutions. Um, I take the time to listen to the carriers, right? So, um, you know, when I first started, I had just solely this driver perspective of everything, right? Um, as I have grown in this role, um, I found that, okay, there are some things that, okay, I can, I can relate to that now because I'm seeing it from an owner's perspective. But I also try to tell the owners, you know, when your employees come to you for a wage increase and you just said, oh, no, sorry, we can't do it, right? A lot of times they don't understand why, 
right? Um, especially if they see uh, new office furniture come in or new equipment come in. Maybe you need to give the whole back, a little bit of the back picture, right? Um, because it helps with understanding, right? More transparency. More transparency. It needs to be there. And let's face it. No company executive, sweet seat and up, or the owner of the company would be there without the grassroots. Treat your grassroots with respect. Treat them like they're people, right? And they will bring you people. Do you see that a lot? Do you see that that cross-pollination of, of good companies with, with quality folks attracting others from a peer standpoint? Yes, we do. We still, we, yeah, we still do. Um, and you'll hear from companies, you know, like they've got a waiting list. It used to be that the waiting lists were a lot bigger than what they are now. Um, private fleets um, used to have the biggest waiting lists um, because they pay well. Most of them are unionized. Um, there's extended health benefits and stuff like that. But even they're crying for drivers now. Right. So let's take a bigger look at the whole picture um, let's look at company culture. Um, I don't know about the U S but up here in Canada, insurance companies are now looking at your company culture, um, how you treat your employees, your diversity, your equity, your inclusion. Um, all of those things are factors now. And your carbon, your carbon footprints are really important too now. Yes. The carbon footprint's really important. And, you know, we have to look at electric vehicles, right? It, right now, it's $200,000 to say buy a regular truck. It's $500,000 to buy an electric vehicle. Uh, the infrastructure isn't in place for them to be fully implemented. They're a bit of a ways off. Um, and as a driver, I can tell you when the deaf system come in, the problems with my truck, the problems with the sensors, um, you know, a lot more testing should have been done and um, before they were actually implemented. Um, those particular systems have cost owner operators and carriers thousands of thousands of dollars because they didn't work properly due to, you know, the breakdown repairs to lost revenue of not keeping their customers happy. Um, it's, it's a whole tidal wave. And now with COVID going on and the lack of parts, I know drivers right now have been off three or four weeks, their truck's still sitting waiting for a part. Let's talk about fuel cost on top of that. So you could go on and on and on with that. That's just it. Fuel's going up um, and it's affecting everybody. And, you know, I was at the grocery store the other day and there was a couple talking and they go, those damn truck drivers, look what they're doing. They're raising all the prices up. And I looked at them and I go, it's not the truck driver's fault. Blame the government. Okay. Put your anger where it's deserved at the government is where this needs to go, right? Um, because fuel's going up, taxes are going up. In Canada, we have a carbon tax. That just went up again. Um, so, and it affects the driver's family too, right? Well, Sh Shelly, look, ignorance never stopped anyone from talking. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tyler, I know we could go on with this for a long time um, because it's such a, I mean, we could go from, the, the the driver's gap in, in the number of people going into the industry to fuel costs for three years. We could talk about that and why. Uh, and Shelly has a plethora of knowledge for that. And um, Shelly, really uh, appreciate you coming on and helping us understand what 
some of the challenges are you guys are working on, because uh, I think they run parallel with a lot of industry, um, whether it be air conditioning, skilled trades in general. Um, so thank you for taking time with us and, and keeping us. And um, you want to give us your website so people can go check you out? Yep. Our website is www.wtfc.ca. And you'll find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Wow. She's all over it, T. She's all over it. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's excellent stuff. Well, we're, we have over, uh, what are we at? We're over 20,000 followers right now between our platforms. So Amazing. Well, excellent, excellent stuff. And uh, yeah, Shelly, thank you again so much for, for joining us on this episode. Uh, we appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. And Greg, another episode in the books. Man, uh, my, my brain, every freaking time we get through one of these, <laughs> I got I, I got to jump to the notebook now and write down all this stuff. Um, I know it. And the poodle's barking, so I guess she's excited by it too. But there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, there's so many similarities with with what Shelley and the the trucking uh, uh, the trucking industry in general mm-hmm. uh, is is challenged with, like the rest of us. You know, it's uh, people, uh, good people that want to have a career, and they simply don't know about it or know enough about it yet. So we got to keep banging, keep banging the drum, and keep educating as we go. And uh, if nothing, maybe not even educating, but making people aware there's a, there's there are options out there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what we'll keep doing on future episodes of the show. But for this one, Greg, thank you again for joining me, man. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Shelly. So much. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, very, very insightful. Thank you. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for tuning into this episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. Stay tuned for more episodes. You can find them at gregcrumpton.com or, of course, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. But for this one, for Shelly Walker and Greg Crumpton, I'm Tyler Kern. We'll talk to you next time. 